0: A few light cycles pass. Your sleep and dreams have become restless. Each time you wake up, you are covered in sweat. The expected familiar knock on the door doesn't come for a few days. Has it been a week already? One night, while you're in and out of sleep, you hear a solid knock at your door. The lights come up abruptly.
1: The sudden change in light wakes me out of my restless sleep. A little pained noise escapes me as I grab my glasses, keeping my eyes closed until they're done transitioning to the darker shade. I sit up, raking my fingers through my hair. What?
0: Another solid knock on the door is the only response.
1: Rude. I get up, trying to blink myself more awake. Fucking hell, did I actually get any sleep after the light shut off? Grumbling under my breath in Russian, I pull socks and shoes on and make a quick pit stop in the bathroom before going to the door. Fine, yes, I'm ready, I guess.
0: The generic uniform guard wears a stone face of emotion and leads you to the comfort of the interview room. The door is open and the red light beckons from beyond, as well as the smell of fresh coffee and pastries.
1: I step into the room and pause just inside the door as it closes behind me. Something smells amazing, besides the coffee. I was beginning to think you'd forgotten about me, I say, trying to sound jokey. Pretty sure I don't manage more than mildly peeved, though.
0: Good morning, Redacted. I would never forget about you. My apologies, some things needed to be reviewed before I… we could continue. How did you sleep? I hope your room is providing you with some level of comfort. A strawberry Mexican concha sits on the table in your usual spot along with a mug of steaming coffee.
1: Letting out a heavy sigh, I go to my seat and sit down cross-legged, taking my glasses off and rubbing my eyes. At least the light is kinder here. Eh, I'm managing. I tear off a piece of the concha and stick it in my mouth. Sure doesn't feel like morning, though. Sure your clocks are set right?
0: The G-Man looks down at his watch. It's 7am, Agent Rowan. Is it too early? Would you like to return to your room and we could meet later in the day? Maybe you can go for a run or exercise a bit. The guards say you've declined going to the gym facility the last few times.
1: I give him a puzzled look as I finish my bite. You've been misinformed. I've gone every time it's been offered. Not like the runs have really helped clear my head, but doing something purely physical does help for a few moments. I'm fine. We We can get going.
0: Would you like to talk about Father's Day now? Or would you like a little bit more of a
1: reprieve?
0: I'm very interested to hear of this regional holiday.
1: It was an interesting field trip. I say, stifling a yawn. What I wouldn't give for a week's uninterrupted sleep. But first, we had a few things to resolve. You're listening to The Redacted Reports, a Delta Green podcast.
0: When we last left our agents, they all awoke with varying degrees of sleep. Agent Rowan had slept a restful night's sleep while everyone else, not so much. It is Thursday, June 10th, and a lot of things are on our agent's plate. A lot of things are on their mind after yesterday's endeavors. We start them off, and they're all gathered in Rowan's room again for their normal morning meeting. Breakfast has been obtained, caffeinated drinks are in hand, and everyone is kind of gathered around. There's a look of uncertainty Unriver's face. Everyone kind of can feel a little bit of tension there, maybe, or it's just because he's been going through a lot lately. Agents, what are we going to do today?
1: Well, we had already discussed Father's Day and meeting with the Abrils. I'm going to make a phone call when we're done with the meeting to touch base with Francis Abril. And make an appointment to see them if they'll if they'll see us. It's entirely possible that they are too laden in their own grief to actually be willing to talk to us. We also need to obtain another rental car for when we don't want to be driving a car with government plates around because um, yeah, ourselves a little bit hard on vehicles.
0: RSL's proclivity for um, having vehicles catch fire certainly. All right, <laughs> and this is why I didn't drive my own
2: truck down.
1: Well, to be fair, it wasn't the truck that got driven down that uh, got
3: set alight.
2: I don't care. It was it was one out of our two vehicles that still know.
3: And Quinn has just raised her eyebrows and is thinking to herself, oh, this is a regular occurrence with them. <laughs> mm.
2: This is only the third time we've destroyed a vehicle or had a vehicle destroyed.
1: Yeah, us destroying a vehicle. This is only the second time having one destroyed around us. This is the
3: third time.
2: Right. The look on Laura's face is brilliant, though. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. That kind of mirrors what Quinn's look, and it's just a slow nod. Ah, the psychologist nod. hmm Fun. So, yes, we will need to obtain
1: another rental vehicle. I put in the report last night about our rental car being stolen, so hopefully it won't look too weird when it turns up.
0: When Reardon talked with you, she made no mention of the vehicle she may not have received that info yet.
1: Sure, but I'm not necessarily worried about her receiving it or not. I'm more worried about the rental company being annoyed at us. Hey, Ooh. I bought
2: the good insurance.
1: On the U-Haul.
2: Oh, right. Shit. Never mind.
4: Well, that car wasn't under any of our names anyway.
1: Incorrect. It was rented for me.
4: Yeah, but Acel arranged it. They told us back in the initial briefing documents that it was going to be an, under a false name.
1: Yeah, something under Hill, if I remember right. Oh, hey, Rowan's name still won't be on any lists.
4: (laughs) Sure it won't.
1: Well, not rental vehicle lists, anyway.
4: (laughs) We should probably get some false IDs at some point.
1: (sighs) I probably know people. I'll start poking at that after this case.
2: I knew a guy, but that was high school.
1: And we want false IDs that can stand up to more than an initial glance. And for that, I may know someone. I will consult my Rolodex later. A what? You're older than me. How do you not know what a Rolodex is? I know what it is,
2: but why? What?
1: Who still has a- It's not a real Rolodex. I just refer to my list of contacts as that because it's easier than saying a list of contacts.
2: You carry half
1: a dozen cell phones. No, I don't. Oh, you've only got the one this time? Yes, I, well, I have two. Mm Mm-hmm. I have my secure phone and I have my personal phone. Gotcha. All right. You didn't give me a burner this time. Heartbreak. Heartbreak,
3: rooster. Quinn's been very quiet through all of this discussion. I mean, she is still tired from a really poor night's sleep and just remembering what happened yesterday. So her head is kind of leaned into her hand. She's kind of slumped in the chair. She really is thinking to herself, you know, burned out cars, fake IDs. What else is going to happen? This is not usually what she runs into on her missions.
0: It's a hell of a way to be for your first outside mission, then. Yep. Hooray for fieldwork.
3: Well, exactly. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, we'll just rub her forehead a little bit and be like, all right. I think we should handle the Abrol stuff as quickly as we can, because Father's Day awaits. And I don't want to be out there after dark. I don't want to go out there at all, but...
4: Well, I was thinking we should uh, get out to Mustang as soon as we can. But I guess we need to find out when the drills uh, will be available.
1: They will be picking up the ashes at or around noon. So we have a couple of hours to touch base with them. But I imagine, I mean, they live in California. I cannot imagine they will want to be here longer than they have to. I feel that. Down to the bone.
0: All right. So who is going to saddle up and head out to the car rental place? Is everyone going?
3: Not it. (sighs) I think I'll probably go because I have the FBI credit card. Quinn would probably go just because she wouldn't mind getting outside. Away from us. Well.
4: Hey, Doc, you got uh, some time to uh, have a little chat?
3: Oh, yeah, sure. Kind of depending on how long she thinks the conversation will go, she might kind of look towards Rowan to just say, you okay if I hang back? I'll be all right. If I need someone to go with me, I'll take Rooster.
1: Sounds good. Yeah,
4: Rooster likes the buddy system.
2: Yes. Yes, I do.
1: The buddy system is smart, especially when we've almost certainly been made by a good portion of the citizenry of Mustang at this point. Fair.
0: So it sounds like Rooster's Not It might have been overruled.
2: Yeah, I got voluntold.
1: That's what happens when you hang out around an LT.
0: As being a member of, you know, Uncle Sam's Misguided Children, you get voluntold a lot, even after you've left- You're still being voluntold. Some things don't change. I'm used to it at this point. You guys head out toward the airport where the uh, rental vehicles are. And we're going to have a scene in the hotel with Dr. Quinn and River.
4: (sighs) I wanted to talk to you. I'm not really sure what I want to say. I just... Last night was a lot.
3: Yeah, it was a lot for me too. I... To be honest, I haven't really... My past missions haven't really been this hands-on, essentially. Usually just brought in for my expertise and not so much in the action.
4: Oh, lucky you. On the one hand, I'm trying to tell myself that I don't really know what happened up on the roof
3: there. I told Rowan I didn't want to know.
4: But I'm pretty sure I'm not okay with it. I don't know what to do about it.
3: How well do you know, Rooster?
4: Well, this is our third mission together. Together, like, less than two weeks total, but they were a very intense two weeks.
3: I mean, it's obviously not my place to question anyone on team. I know my training, I'm supposed to trust, but I think I agree with you.
4: (laughs) I mean, you're, you're the psychologist, aren't you reporting back on us?
3: Oh, you think that's what I'm here for? Well... Interesting. Part of it. That might explain a few looks I've gotten. Probably shouldn't reveal this, but I honestly have been questioning why I'm here. I thought it was my expertise on cults. I don't feel like I've really done much to help.
4: Yeah, well, I think Roland knows plenty about this particular cult. I think maybe the best thing you can do is help keep her together.
3: Hmm. So more of a day job thing. Which is fine. I. It's hard to know who the victims are in this case. I think that's what I'm struggling with, to be honest.
4: Well, and if the last time is any guide, we probably haven't seen the worst of it. I mean, When things start happening, they really start happening.
3: I think for me, we don't know who's involved in the cult. And one thing I do know from my experience, professional and personal, is that not everyone in the cult is guilty. And probably most of them I would consider victims. And I just don't want to be so trigger happy or whatever weapon of choice is.
4: Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I mean, those those kids were basically taught a religion. On top of that, you know, we've seen them change several times. One of the things that we saw in Montana is that some people just didn't act right like they were being controlled somehow and it, it one point it even felt like it might have been happening to me so i don't think even if they've done something they might not be responsible for what they're doing
3: and quinn just thinks and kind of slowly nods really thinking through that
4: but then i remember those pictures on the wall i don't know what what your picture means to you but Those two women seems like they have to be my wife and my daughter. And if there's a threat to them, well, I'm probably capable of doing just about anything to protect them.
3: And Quinn just nods pretty vigorously because she's already experienced, you know, her own family being mentioned. And uh, she's probably, without saying the words, she's thinking the same thing.
4: But even so, I think we have to... I I need to have a word with the others, and we need to get ourselves out of this war zone mindset that we got into.
3: When you have the conversation, you have at least one person back you up.
4: Thanks, I appreciate that.
3: And then I think Quinn just kind of lets the two of them sit in silence for a little bit. And then eventually tries to lighten mood. Um, So my question is... uh, are we going to have to go in there with a disguise?
4: A disguise? I I sure hope not. Do you know anything about disguises?
3: I don't, but I do know three of the four of us had our portraits painted on a wall where who knows how many of these cult members visit.
4: You know, their muscle knows rooster uh, anyway. But, you know, I don't think it matters. They know my name people I haven't even seen before, never met, know my name.
3: What do you mean by that?
4: You remember when we stopped at that gas station, then some random guy was say, calling my name.
3: Oh, I remember you speaking to him. I don't remember you telling me he knew you.
4: Well, that's the thing. He didn't know me. Or rather, he knew me and then he didn't.
3: Like what we experienced with Eric Allen.
4: Yeah. Somehow I don't think disguises are going to help. They know <laughs> us. Somehow That's they true. know who we are. How else would they know about my family?
3: And now is just kind of furring her brows and a bit of fear is starting to take hold of it. But she's trying to keep a straight face.
4: I think we have to just hope that they're just as worried about being discovered as we are.
3: And if we would do anything to protect our own, how can we blame them for doing the same?
4: Well, if they were just protecting themselves, that would be one thing, but they killed
3: people. I mean, Quinn is now getting into her uh, psychologist role and reverting to like the listening. (laughs) So you're getting to a point where she is the nodding. It's almost like instinctual. It just started kicking in, but half of it is really her thinking to herself. (sighs) <sighs> well, let's plan on talking to the other two, at least. We can be on the same page about where we draw the line.
4: Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I mean, when the point comes, or if the point comes when we do need Rooster's skills, he's the best.
3: I do not doubt that. <sighs> well, I'm, I don't know, trying to get ga- I'll go gather whatever I think I need for the day. What do you need when you think you're walking into a trap? And with that, Quinn is just gonna try to gather her thoughts and just do a little thinking, gather, like probably mindlessly gather what she might think she needs and wait for the other two to get back.
0: At the car rental place, the car rental representative is very happy to see you. They've never seen you before. This is a new person. And they ask you, what is it that you're looking to get?
1: I will probably be looking for an SUV similar to the Tahoe because it's good for the different kinds of work that we may need to do. I do not phrase it that way to the representative, but an SUV is what I would be looking to get.
0: They set you up with a uh, Toyota RAV4, a smaller SUV, but still around the same size as as the Tahoe. Maybe, Maybe a little bit smaller, but better on gas mileage. Cool. This one is not black. This one is white. Oh, Oh, no. This one also comes with a a sunscreen
1: for the front windshield. Deluxe. So we gain one good thing and lose the other because, oh, God, a white vehicle. If we're trying to be sneaky. It
2: doesn't matter the color of it, at least in the day. It's cooler. It's not black.
1: And we can always take it through some dusty roads and get it it a nice shade of brown. So, yes, we obtained the RAV4 my name, credit card, and driver's license are on file. Yay.
0: And did you get the really good insurance?
1: <laughs> yeah, but for what we do, does it really matter? If there are missiles involved, it doesn't cover it anyway. So what's the point?
2: Going. We've off road talked about this. Going off-road, donuts,
1: okay.
0: Coffee spills. Yeah, they don't allow you to take rental cards off-road. Also, they ask you if you wish to have Mexico coverage.
1: I will say yes, just to be safe. I don't think we're going to Mexico, but...
0: They'll provide you with 60 miles into Mexico. Beyond that, you'll need to purchase additional insurance at that time.
1: Oh god, Dan, the insurance agent is coming out. (laughs)
0: Long time ago, it was a former life.
1: So yeah, I'll get us all set up. And then as we're walking toward wherever the car is, I'll toss the keys to Rooster. I'll hop in and turn the
2: AC on immediately. Question, is the windscreen one of the cheap folding ones, or is this one of the cool, like, twist and folds, like- The twists and phobia folds. Mobius strip things. So he looks at this, holds it in his hand, and then goes, I'm going to choose not to embarrass myself and hand it to her.
1: And she'll take it, wiggle it back and forth a couple times in her hand, and then twist it in, into place after figuring out how it probably works. In one fluid motion, I'm sure. She's very intelligent. Look
2: at that and just go- Yeah, that's why I handed it to you. I rip things.
3: Eh,
1: you're a lot stronger than I am. And I'll stick it into its its little case, stick it at my feet as I buckle up.
0: It's uneventful as you head back. It's a early June day. The temperature has peaked 110 today. Humidity's up just a little bit. It seems, though, that we might be getting rain. Certainly a, a hellish type of day in the Southwest today.
1: As we're driving back, it's not a very long drive back to the hotel, but I do want to check in with Rooster and just be like, you had to put on work face last night. How are you doing?
2: I don't like any of it.
1: That's fair. Neither do I.
2: Honestly, I'm more on edge than I'd like right now. Because when the shit hits the fan, and that's a when, not an if, honestly, I'm wondering in what state you're going to be. Rivers got is decent with a shotgun, but convincing him to pull the trigger is always part of it. Mm -hmm. And Quinn's an unknown. And my job is to keep the three of you alive.
1: And you're feeling like you might have to be alone in that?
2: No, not so much that. I'm just feeling like the complexity of that job has been moving drastically up since Montana.
1: I understand that. I... Hope you know that I'm going to do everything in my power to be in a fit state.
2: Well, obviously, I know that you don't want to be dealing with this any more than I do. In fact, a whole lot less, probably.
1: I was going to say, I think, I think I might have the edge a little bit on wanting this to be over as fast as fucking possible. I, I am unnerved by everything that's going on. I'm unnerved by what's happening, I'm unnerved by my reactions to it. I do not like any of this. And I want to get us out of here, frankly, alive. I'll settle for that right now. We may not be able to solve things like we did in Montana. We may just have to settle for getting whatever answers we can and getting out.
2: Well, we don't have an anti-tank missile at this point.
1: No, but we have grenades.
2: We do have grenades.
1: So there's that.
2: But honestly, it's you being unnerved is the part that gets me. And if I can, all right, I I don't know how to say this nicely, but what the fuck happened last night with that chick? You looked at her, you said something, she went all rigid and following your orders, and then you said the cult word, something just off the cuff and didn't realize you even said it.
1: And I'm realizing as you say that, that I'm having to fight back the urge to use that particular turn of phrase again. Short answer, I don't know. Longer answer, it felt instinctive. It felt like something that I was supposed to do. And I know that that answer does not reassure you.
2: Ah, that's one way to say it.
1: Yeah. I am realizing more and more that there, I think, I think there's things about what happened when I was with the cult that I don't remember. Starting with the fact that I knew that damned song. I didn't know that I knew that. But I did. Word perfect. Well, part of it anyway. I didn't know what they were singing last night, I don't know those words.
2: So, ultimately it comes down to this. Before we get back to the other two who I'm sure have figured out what happened on the roof, despite whether they want to or not. What is our ultimate goal here? Is to contain the unnatural, but you just said get some answers and get out. We may not be able to contain it all, like Montana. What is our mission here?
1: Our stated objective is to find the people who killed the Admirals and Private Ryan.
2: Yeah, we were too late to save Private Ryan. Oh, come <laughs> I on, think... I made it like four days without making that joke.
1: I honestly have wondered how long you'd be able to show that kind of restraint. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> yeah, we are, we were too late to save him and his fiance's family and that little girl. Our initial mission was to figure out who killed the Abril family. I think that the answer to that is getting too big to contain cleanly. Because I mean, you saw what happened with the girl. Kind of. I don't know. What did you see?
2: I saw you say something to her. Then she went rigid and responded like honestly like a soldier. When you told her that she didn't see anything and wouldn't tell.
1: Even if Father himself asked.
2: And... I don't fucking know what to think about that. Not even thinking about you, but thinking about, okay, maybe she's under some sort of, like, magic order, something that she can't, but then can someone with higher authority break that? I don't fucking know at this point. And it's, I'm not going to say I'm freaking out, but I'm definitely on edge right now.
1: Yeah, it's pretty noticeable.
2: Well, excuse me.
1: No, sorry. That was not meant to come out as condemning as I think it sounded. I'm sorry. That was not my intention at all. From what the kids were saying last night and let's not let's make no bones about it those were kids those were teenagers it sounds like they are at minimum second generation absolute minimum probably third or fourth because there was a marsh still in that town and it's a small town i would imagine that a hell of a lot of them are related or connected in some way
2: well i'll tell you this if the one up on the roof really was that kid's brother then his real dad must have been a fucking lobster
1: he had gills right
2: yeah do lobsters have gills
1: i actually don't know i've never looked there was information in the write-up for project covenant about the villagers of innsmouth breeding with deep ones so maybe not a lobster but definitely some sort of sea critter and the fact that there was someone up there with gills, like that old man it's continuing yeah So. I don't have any good
2: answers at this point but I I
1: I, I don't either, and I don't know how much of this is how much any of them can be saved because I mean, if this is something that is bred into them, then I don't know
2: And two things about that, because I hate this, but one, yeah, those are kids. I saw kids a lot younger than that in Iraq and Afghanistan, who were a lot more dangerous and a lot more committed. And saying, yeah, they've been bred into it, might not be savable, that's an awful slippery slope. (sighs) Though, I can't say I disagree.
1: And anything that I say to try to justify it will just sound worse, so I'm going to leave that thought there.
2: Let's just say we're on, we're on the same page.
1: And I suspect we're going to find out which page River and Quinn are on as soon as we get back.
2: Well, River and I have never seen eye to eye, and I'm pretty sure the good doctor thinks I'm either certifiable and or hates my guts, so this is gonna be fun.
1: I mean, she knows I'm certifiable. Here we are. Hey, at
2: least we
0: don't have gills.
1: <laughs> Thank goodness.
0: And with that, you pull up back to the hotel. I put the windscreen in. Okay. Protected from the heat. So, um, are you going to reach out to Francis Abril, the brother of Daniel Abril? Yes, I will. You pick up your phone, you dial the number that was given to you, and after a few rings, a gruff male voice picks up, uh, hello?
1: Good morning, Mr. Abrol. My name is Special Agent Redacted. I'm with an FBI task force that is currently working here in Yuma. Do you have a moment to talk?
0: Uh, yeah, I do. Um, we're going to be heading to get the family's remains here in a, in a couple minutes. I don't have a lot of time.
1: Certainly, I understand that and allow me to offer my condolences. Thank you. We are here investigating the murder.
0: The police said that that they had somebody and they had to let somebody go because of a mess up.
1: There were a lot of interesting things that have been going on and I would like to talk to you about that in person if I could.
0: Okay, we we can we can we can talk. Um I I'm set to pick up their remains shortly Do uh do you want to... Where Where would you want to meet?
1: Anywhere, really, that is convenient for you.
0: <sighs> Can I call you back after we, we get things?
1: Sure. All absolutely.
0: Right. Um, is this the number that I should call you back on?
1: Yes. All right.
0: Okay, I, I, I will call you back.
1: All right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. And I'll hang up, and then I'll save the number as Francis Abril so that I have it at a glance when, when he does call back. Okay.
2: The way he said, okay, makes me feel like that's going to come back to bite us.
1: Oh, probably. Yeah. Everything comes back to bite us in the ass at some point.
4: All right. So what's up next? We are meeting with the family or is it Father's Day?
1: Well, I spoke to Francis Abril. He is picking up the family's remains and has asked to call back when they have done so and arrange a meeting time. So we are currently at loose ends with a new vehicle. It's white. About the same size as the old one, though. A little bit smaller. Let's try to avoid getting this one blown up. My name is actually on this one. It didn't get
2: blown up, it
1: (sighs) i I'm not going to be a pedant about this one. (laughs) Just, let's try to avoid getting it destroyed. Mm -hmm. I, I have not
4: personally destroyed any vehicles
1: yet. Emphasis on the yet. All right. Is there anything that we need to know about from back here?
3: I say looking rather pointedly between Quinn and River. And Quinn kind of just shoots a look to River, almost like inviting him to start.
4: We, I just wanted to say about last night, we got out of control.
2: I cock an eyebrow at that.
4: I'm not trying to pick out anyone in particular, because I know I'm at least have some responsibility. I know I went into that annex assuming we were going to get in a fight, and that was wrong. We have to get out of this assumption that we're in a war zone.
2: I hate to burst your delightfully optimistic civilian bubble, but we are in a fucking war zone.
4: No, we're not. We're in Arizona.
2: (sighs) Yeah. That doesn't mean anything. Look, we've got a fucking cult that's breeding with tuna and kidnapping people to kill and or convince them, and drawing pictures of us from dreams with X's over your family's face.
4: And what do you suggest we do about that? Are we gonna start shooting everybody in Mustang or just the ones with bulgy eyes?
2: I didn't shoot anyone, but you know what? When it comes down to it, your life is a lot more worthwhile. My job is to keep you alive. So yes, this is a war zone, because the second I get complacent, people die. Or do you not remember Helena? I remember Helena, and I know what you did for us then. Then what makes you think I'm not trying to do the same thing here?
3: I think we're just asking to be a little careful to make sure we are in danger before we add to our own body count because at the rate we're going, we're gonna catch up or surpass the Admiral murders.
2: Wow, way shrink me. Because I can't even argue with that without letting you know exactly what happened that you don't want to know.
3: Quinn just looks at River.
4: Last night you said that at least we're guys and they're not. Like, you think anything that's not human is fair game. But who gets to decide what's human enough?
2: Look, I'm not going hunting for things that go bump in the night. I'm trying to keep you alive. Okay? Deep ones. Weird fish things from the bottom of the ocean where who knows where. That abduct people and and use dreams to put death threats out? (sighs) You know, whatever. Fine. Next time I'll let a sniper on the roof, watching your truck, watching you come in with a rifle. I'll just wait until he takes the shot first. How about that? Is that what you want? Yes. You got it
3: or at all if it's possible to use non-deadly force. And I say that because yes, we can only assume what happened on the roof. We know your job is to keep us alive. We want to keep alive, obviously. But I and River wanna just probably make sure that we remain people worth keeping alive. Because if we go too far, if we cross that line, I don't know if I can say that anymore. And Quinn is actually going to just walk out of the room because she needs a breath of air.
2: As she walks out, I'm going to say, that's why you are on the ground, because it's too late for me.
3: She just shakes her head at that.
1: I wish to Helen back again that she would stop walking out when things get tense. This doesn't help anything. That said, from my own experiences with a cult, and my own experiences with this particular cult, They are indoctrinated to the point of what I think Rooster saw in Iraq and Afghanistan, where suicide bombing is an option. So I'm not going to say go shooting everything that has bulging eyes and gills, but I am going to say that we need to be on the alert pretty much all of the time. And I don't like that. I don't like living my life like that but I think that that is what's going to keep us alive and being ready. And maybe that means we start wearing the Kevlar, heat be damned. But at the end of the day, we are Delta Green. And from the little bit that I know, Delta Green has been working very hard to keep this little green marble floating for a hundred years without being overrun by Deep Ones, Migo, God only knows what else. God only knows what sorts of things those weird things in the green box were created to deal with. So, I hate to say it, River, but we are in a war zone. And we can ease off a bit, but I think that treating it as anything less will get us killed. And I'm not saying go firing off. I mean, the rules of engagement are better in an actual field of combat than they are on the streets of America where the the cops are. I know this. I'm from a cop family. So that means following the rules of engagement and making sure that something is a threat first. And I'll look between River and Rooster.
4: That's all I'm really asking. Of course we need to be vigilant. And if we do see something which is an imminent threat, then we act. But we can't act just because we think they're a threat.
1: Uh, Castle would probably disagree with you, but Castle isn't here, and you and I have exactly the same amount of experience in this, so I, I guess we're going to get our stripes here one way or another.
2: Hey, the point's been made. I'll wait till you get shot at. And hey, when some random person starts dropping names of your family members, I'll just assume you're fine with that.
1: Alright, let's all take a break for a moment. Because I think that anything else that we say is going to turn into something that we can't take back. And at the very least, I need you guys at my back. And Quinn. I need you guys to be with me. Okay?
2: Yeah. Yes, ma'am.
1: Alright. Then let's collect our runaway shrink, and head out to Mustang.
2: I got things to prep. I'll meet you back here in ten.
1: Sounds like a plan. River?
4: Yeah, let's
2: go see what the doc is uh, up to. I'll leave and go back to my room.
1: And I'll lead the way, I guess, to Quinn's room where I imagine she probably is.
0: So River and Rowan, you you make it to Quinn's door. You presume that she made it back to her room. You don't see her down the hallway and um, you don't see her outside the windows pacing her or going for a lap around the
1: building. All right, so I'll tap on, on the door a couple of times with a knuckle.
3: And Quinn is in her room. She opens. You see she's got a baseball cap and just says, We heading out? Not actually making eye contact. I'm a
1: little bit shorter than her, so I'll, like, duck down to, to try and make her look at me a bit and be like, Not quite yet. We're going to wait on the call from Frances Abril.
3: And she uh, takes off the hat and rubs her head a little and kind of turns around. And, uh, just nods. Can I talk to you for a bit? She'll look at River, too. Sure. If you'd like to join us, River,
1: you're more than welcome to.
4: Why don't I leave you? I I got us some stuff I wanted to check on.
1: All right, we'll be here, and I'll let you know as soon as I hear from uh, Mr. Abrel. Yep. All right, so I'll step into Quinn's room and close the door behind me. This seems to be pretty personal for you. We've talked a lot about how it's personal for me, but I realized that I'm not the only one
3: who's being personally affected by this. She slowly nods. I mean, it will probably be no surprise to you that I have my own personal experience with cults. I don't think many people get into this field on a professional level without having been touched personally by it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what you've dealt with but it seems like your team these supernatural, unnatural, out of this world, whatever you wanna call it. Those are your big bad guys. But in my life, it's been man who is the villain here. So when I see things in man, woman, human, that cross the line, I'm gonna call it out. I'm not saying you're wrong to do so. Hell, I think you're
1: very right to do so.
3: And I just know, again, I can tell you from experience that people in cults, voluntarily in cults, most of them are still the victims here. That's who I deal with professionally. That's who I often have to deal with even with this team. Well, Not this team, but in my past work. I just want us to keep that in mind.
1: I want us to do the same. I, I don't know how much You've, you've said that you're not usually a field person.
3: No. <laughs> I think that's been obvious with uh, how, uh, how mid unsteady I've been out there.
1: Have you ever had to deal with field work? With having to make the split-second decision in a split-second? I have not. Okay. No judgment. There's no way to get that experience except through experience.
3: Quinn just nods. She's thinking. What brought
1: you into Delta Green? Ugh... Fair is fair. I told you my story.
3: Nothing so interesting as you. I mean, nothing so personal. I think my personal connections are what got me into the field. Through that work, I worked with a patient. seemed like any other patient. A cult member. I was helping them get out. But apparently, there was something different about this person, and they were on Delta Green's radar, so they contacted me and i guess it convinced me enough to break <laughs> patient confidentiality
1: do you know do you know which cult they were part of well, it wasn't dagon was it
3: no this is the first i've dealt with dagon
1: so there's another cult that is connected enough to the unnatural that delta green is interested that's worth filing away for later sorry i I'm a, I'm a cop first in a lot of things, and filing away information is part
3: of my job. Yeah, I know a little bit about the jobs seeping in, no matter what. It does that, doesn't it? Oh, and no matter what you guys think, I'm not here to spy on you or report back on you psychologically. Or at least, that wasn't in my brief.
1: I figure that Delta Green is already very well aware of my mental profile. It was a shrink who was my contact into Delta Green in the first place, so...
3: It's just strange. I mean, they knew you had an actual personal experience with this cult that you would, and have had much more insider knowledge than I have. It's just, I'm feeling a little just confused about why I'm here.
1: Well, I have knowledge from the perspective of having been a captive of theirs. But you have knowledge from helping people get out, and maybe that's the expertise that they're wanting to pull on. Maybe maybe Delta Green agrees that there are people here who can be saved, people who can be gotten out, people like those kids maybe, if they're not too far gone. And in that, I mean, you and I have chatted on a more professional level. You know what you're doing.
3: I think I needed someone to remind me that. At the end of
1: the day, we're all here because we've dealt with something horrible and shitty. And it has imprinted on us in one way or another. And you were sent here for a reason. I was sent here for a reason in the midst of all of the PTSD bullshit that I've been dealing with. There's a reason for it. And, I mean, you're, you're not experienced in the field. That's fine. But... I, Yes, I think I can say this. I trust you to be at my back.
3: I guess the least I could do is put that same trust in the entire team.
1: Trust can only be earned. And if if we're a little bit too loose cannon, I get it, but the methods that we've employed so far have kept us alive so far, and I've reminded Rooster that there are rules of engagement in a battle zone, and they're very particular.
3: Well, so what are we waiting on? I'm sorry.
1: That's no, all right. We're waiting on a phone call from Francis Abril so that we can meet with him. And I don't know what we're going to get out of it, quite honestly, unless there's a connection with the actual Abril family back to Massachusetts and the cult of Dagon. Not exactly a question you can come straight out and say, but I very firmly believe in pulling on all of the strings.
3: Well, uh... Maybe I'll just take advantage of the very little downtime that we actually get and just come get me when we're ready.
1: All right. And I'll stand up from where I'd sat down and just like pause for a second before reaching over and gently squeeze in Quinn's shoulder. We're going to get through this.
3: And she just gives a little grin and nods. I'll
1: step out, go back to my room and just... Am I alone in my room? Did, did Rooster leave as well? Rooster
0: left. Rooster actually went to his own room.
1: Okay. I'm just gonna sit there for a moment and just breathe and let myself come down from the tension of those conversations. River,
0: you are back in your room and your laptop is there. And you said that you wanted to look up something or research something, or
4: basically I wanna find out what's been reported about Albemarle Marsh's death. So looking in newspaper and any law enforcement emergency logs that I can
0: access. Like a police blotter type thing. Yeah. Pretty easy find. There's nothing really in the news about uh, Abramor's death. He was an older fella and his passing wasn't necessarily a surprise. And looks as though the police blotter, you know, notes that he died in the tub. Apparently he died of a, a cardiac arrest. I'm not sure if that makes you feel better or worse, but there's not a lot of news about it. At least
4: he feels relieved. Is there anything on where the body was taken?
0: So you find that most people are taken to the Yuma Regional Medical Center at first, and then they would be sent to a, whether the crematorium or to one of the uh, funerary establishments in the area. Okay. I think that's all I wanted to. Okay. Okay. So, Rowan, a few moments after you take a break in your room, your phone rings and you see that it is Francis Averill.
1: I'll pick up. Special Agent Redacted speaking.
0: Uh, hi, this is Francis Uh I've, I was able to get the... Yeah, I was able to do the things. Um, I'm able to talk. Could we meet outside? Because I really don't want to be in a building or anything. There's a, a park not far away. Yuma Bridge Park.
1: And I'll scrawl the name down on a piece of hotel stationery. Uh, certainly. Do you want to wait any amount of time, or do you want me to come right over? Uh,
0: if, you, if, if you want to come over right away, that'll be best, because I think I want to be heading back uh, soon enough.
1: I completely understand. Yes, my team and I will be on our way there shortly.
0: Okay. All right. So I'll, I'll see you there. Um, I've got a, uh, a blue Honda fit.
1: All right, we are in a white Toyota RAV4.
0: Okay, all right, I'll, I'll expect to see you there.
1: I'll see you shortly. And he hangs up. And I'm just like, oh, what sane person is asking to meet outside? It's so odd. Just do the T-Rex arms for a second and just peer. No, this is gross.
2: This is my stroking my chin.
1: <laughs> yes it, it, with the comment of what sane person no i see it no
2: no just in general why is somebody not want to be
1: inside fair enough all right so i will go and start knocking on doors to rouse everyone and be like we have a meeting Francis Abril has collected the remains of his family and uh, wants to meet with us as soon as possible because he doesn't want to stay here longer than he has to. And I do not blame him at all. So we're heading to uh, Yuma Bridge Park to meet with him outdoors, bring head coverings.
4: Figure we'll go to Mustang from there.
3: I think so. Quinn pops back her baseball cap on.
1: And Rowan is definitely debating between do I stay in FBI clothes or then decides, no, I'll, I'll go with nice jeans and a blouse. But button down is not happening today.
2: Rooster's already in a slightly bulky looking Henley with his cargo pants. He doesn't have the shoulder holster. He'd be pulling the Nathan Drake look.
1: I will, though, make sure that I have my Kevlar in the vehicle. Yeah, that, because... Sorry,
2: that's what the Henley was for. It's bulky over the Kevlar.
1: No, I figured. Rowan's just not doing that right now.
2: Yeah, and, and
4: River is wearing a kind of more of a long-sleeved shirt that goes over the Kevlar, which she is
0: now
3: wearing. Quinn is also not wearing hers yet, but she will bring it.
0: You guys gather your things, and it's warm outside. You get to the, the new RAV4. Those of you that haven't seen it yet, it's kind of sparkly. It's pretty and white and clean and not on fire. (laughs) (laughs) That's
2: a step up.
1: (laughs) I think that's the most important feature at the moment. I feel
2: like that's an important clarification with us.
1: It's not on fire yet.
0: So you head over toward the Yuma Bridge Park, and obviously this is... As its name, it's a park under the view of a very large bridge that crosses the Colorado River, as well as the Yuma Main Canal. It is a bit of a green space here, and as you pull up, you see that there is a middle-aged Hispanic man out by his car. He has a Dodgers baseball cap on, and he is chain-smoking cigarettes. You only see him smoking one, but you see that there's about 20 or so on the ground next to him. He did just pick up the
2: remains of, like, five of his family.
1: Yes. Which is why I'm going to say, let me take the lead on this one.
2: Oh, no, that was Ben saying that Rooster is uncommonly quiet.
1: Yeah. All right. I will hop out and talk to him. I don't imagine this will be a terribly long interview and no one else should have to suffer outside of AC if they don't have to.
3: Well, Quinn would want to go, you know, when it comes to, like, finally getting to talk to people. She's, at least that's where she feels useful. That's fair.
2: Yeah, Rooster will get out, lean on the SUV and smoke.
4: Yeah, River's also going to go join the conversation. At least be present. He is fuming at all the cigarette butts on the ground.
0: The wall of heat here is different. It's almost as though that you're swimming through the heat. It's a little bit cooler here, but you really can't tell because the humidity is pretty high. The sound of the cicadas and river bugs and other creatures in the background create a, a background noise for you that's constant. Francis Avril takes a drag from a cigarette. You saw when you pulled up that he just lit it. It's now empty. He's power dragging his cigarettes. He flicks it to the ground. He sees you approach and he kind of does a bit of a head nod.
1: I nod back to him. Mr. Abril, hello. We spoke on the phone. I'm Special Agent Redacted. And I'll introduce the rest of the team, including Rooster, leaning up against the car behind us because I don't want... This man is already on edge. I do not need to add another layer of tension by not introducing everyone, including the scary man looming in the background.
0: He shakes everyone's hands, uh, or extends his hands for for a handshake, and I presume that you all uh, extend the courtesy back. Oh, I figure I'm a ways off, not actually in the conversation. Yeah, no, you're too far off. He's doing that to to those that are here. It looks serious. So do you have any leads? Do you know what happened? Or is this going to go unsolved?
1: We are working on a couple of leads based on evidence that was found on the scene. There was some video evidence from the scene that we're working on tracking down. So there's a better than average chance that things will get worked out.
0: Okay. So what does worked out mean?
1: Worked out means appropriate arrests made, convictions. Okay.
0: Because oftentimes, uh, you know, families like like mine seem to just get, you know, pushed aside and not not looked at further.
1: Yes. I have unfortunately seen that happen entirely too often and I'm not going to let it be overlooked.
0: All right. Well, the FBI is involved, so it's got to be good, huh?
1: Mm Hmm. FBI is involved, so at the very least we're digging.
0: He closes his eyes, takes a deep breath. Um, what can I help you with? What what can I do? What can we do to make sure that they get caught and brought brought to justice?
1: Were you close with your brother? Oh, uh, we
0: were pretty close.
1: Okay. Do you know if there was a nanny for Beth?
0: Uh, yeah, I think they did have a nanny. I don't, I, I don't know who.
1: Okay. That's good to know, though. Having that piece of information will point us in a, in a direction, at least, for information. Thank you.
0: You see his eyes widen a little bit and his posture change. His posture was very closed. It's opened up a bit, almost as though that him providing that information might actually help. So a little bit of light in this dark time for him. Um, you think it was the nanny?
1: I think that there w- that, that is a possibility. I'm not prepared to say anything definitive, but knowing that there was someone else who had easy access to the house helps.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay that makes sense.
1: And I'll glance over at Quinn because I know that Quinn has been asking a lot about connections that the Abrol family had in the community and give her the space to ask those questions.
3: Mr. Abrol, t- to be honest, it's been difficult for us to find many local connections that your brother and his family had here. Did they talk about any friends they saw often, contacts, organizations that they were involved in? It's... We're trying to find more people who might have been connected to them here.
0: Uh, Daniel and Sandra kind of kept to themselves. I mean, after he got rid of the car wash, he just kind of, uh, you know, they, they kind of set up shop just at home. You know, he just built the house. It was his pride and joy and, you know, the, with the little, with the baby and, and whatnot, with Mama there. They didn't say that they had a lot of friends in town, but they had some co-workers, some of the people that he worked for him.
1: Did the Shangri-La have any particular meaning to him, or is that because I remember that being over the gate?
0: Yeah, it was his Shangri-La. It's it's it, this was something that he worked for. He was able to you know get a house made the way that he wanted, and um, he took extra care of the the lawn and the the backyard. And it was it was supposed to be something special for them all.
3: What is happening to the house, if you don't mind me asking?
0: Um, we're going to uh. We're gonna we're gonna sell it. I don't think it would no, there's just too many memories there.
1: I understand.
4: Do you know if there's a particular reason why he picked that location for the house? Cheap.
0: Yeah, and you know, he he pinched his pennies. He always kinda made sure that he he and the family were taken care of. He lights up another cigarette. It was something that they he wanted. He wanted to have something built, and uh, he got to do it, and it didn't break the bank.
3: Did you know much about your niece's fiance, Private Ryan?
0: Not much. He was a good kid, I guess. I mean, he didn't seem too bad. A little, little bit of a meathead, but he he seemed to to mean well. I wonder if he's the reason for all of this, because they were they were peaceful on their own, and you know nobody takes nobody. You know focuses on on this type of family and in comes this outsider and next thing you know this happens and
1: now they're all dead do you know how long private ryan and your niece were together
0: uh, maybe a year personally i think she was too way too young to be getting married or or having a baby but i you know who am i to say hmm But um, he he stuck around. I'll give him that. He stuck around. He might not have been the brightest, you know, the brightest crayon in the box, but he stuck around and was doing the right thing. But now we have what we have.
1: How long has Daniel been in the Yuma area? Uh, Daniel? Daniel's been here about uh, 20-some years. Is your family originally from here, from California? California. Okay. Any particular reason why he decided to come out this direction? Just out of curiosity.
0: Marines and their Mustangs. A car wash business is, you can make a lot of money. He did really well and uh, he did even better when some, when the corporation came in and bought him out. But a lot of those young Marines, they buy Mustangs and they want to keep them clean.
1: And in the desert, that's very difficult.
0: Uh, yeah, you want to keep it shiny. He takes a drag from this cigarette and finishes it, flicks it to the ground, pulls out another pack, opens it and lights another cigarette.
1: I'll glance down at all of the cigarettes that are on the ground and look at the new one in his hand. Mr. Aperol, is there a particular reason that you didn't want to meet indoors? I'm, I'm from California, and I've been running from AC to AC personally.
0: You see he is sweating his ass off. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks at the cigarette, looks at you. I can't smoke inside. Very true. And I just wanted a bit of fresh air. I've been in a car since Riverside, and... I mean, I, I have to tell my family that, you know, when I, we go back that... Sorry, Uncle Uncle Daniel's not going to be coming around anymore. And what we have is an urn, you know? And then same thing with, with, with Sandra. And, you know, Grandma Grace, I mean, she doesn't have any more family, so we're family. So I have to figure out what we're gonna do with her, with her ashes, remains. I guess we're gonna put them in the same plot. I don't know, you know? And how do you, you know, I gotta tell other, you know, other family members that Baby Beth is gone. They know that, but do you know that the urn is real small?
1: I would imagine an urn for a full adult is surprisingly small. (sighs) A baby, I can't even imagine.
0: Uh, He takes a drag from from the cigarette and takes it down in basically two puffs.
4: You live close to the uh, ocean, Mr. Abba?
0: I'm in Riverside, so not really close. Is anybody even really close? I mean, well, I guess these people aren't close, I mean, because we're we're the way uh, way the hell out here.
4: I was just thinking of some of the... uh, hurt in your brother's house he seemed to have an affinity for water well
0: the family like to go down to uh to rocky point quite a bit i mean we do have some family still down there down off the baja really do you have a name he gives you the name of some of the family in rocky point
1: i'll jot those down in my notebook
0: it's also known as puerto panesco sounds like a good lead but we're not it's it's not really don't don't drive down to to to. <laughs> I mean, if you want a vacation, we could do that, but it's it's not truly a lead.
1: I, I was about to say. I mean, we got the Mexico insurance. <laughs> well, if we think of anything else that that we need to ask you, Mr. Abrol, I do have your your phone number. If it's all right to reach out to you again.
0: Uh, yeah, yes, definitely. Um, hopefully, you could find out some information. Hopefully, we could bring these people to to justice because this is just gruesome. Who does this?
1: Uh, I have spent most of my life as a cop, and I still have never found a satisfactory answer for that question. Nay. Hey. All right, well, thank you so much for your time, Mr. Abro. And I'll offer my hand again to shake. He
0: shakes your hand. Well, Hopefully, uh, next time uh, we talk, you guys have good news for me.
1: That is certainly the hope.
0: Or, or, or news that whoever did this is, is arrested and taken care of his eyes, you know, scan everyone, looks back at Rooster and he opens up the car door uh, Alright, thank you good luck!
1: Thank you and safe drive, that's a long drive back Yeah
0: and uh, he backs up and, and heads out leaving the four
1: of you in the park I'm going to immediately beeline back to the car
4: River starts picking up cigarette butts and then as soon as he sees everybody else is leaving, he says,
0: damn it <laughs> Does he still does he still continue to pick them up because because he'll be there for a while
4: no he'll grab as many as he can fit into one hand and toss them on his way out
0: he tosses them into toss them into the trash so you guys get back into the car and you guys are heading to Mustang
1: sounds like and as I'm getting back into into the car I'm gonna scoop out my Kevlar and step into a semi-protected area to, to strip my blouse off and put it on.
3: And uh, Quinn, seeing Rowan do that, she'll follow her lead, and just say, we're waiting till they shoot first, I guess. I, I got shot the last mission. It's not pleasant. I don't
1: advise it.
0: Father's Day, here we go. I'm
1: Tiana Hansen, and I play Rowan.
2: I'm Ben Sislowski, and I play Rooster.
4: I'm Seth Jones, and I play River.
3: I'm Laura Domingo, and I play Quinn.
0: I'm Dan Voshkevich, the handler. Our story is based upon the role-playing game Delta Green by Arc Dreams Publishing. Delta Green is created by Dennis Detweiler, Adam Scott Glancy, and John Scott Tynes. Season two is based on the scenario Ex Oblivione by Dennis Detweiler. If you like our story, there are many ways you can support us. First you can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash theredactedreports. Patrons of our podcast will receive early access to episodes, Rowan's written reports for each story, as well as other goodies and opportunities exclusive to our patrons. We offer special thanks to our $20 and up patrons, Victor Von B., Stephen Schwartz, Director Arayo, Jonathan Powell, Skelly Lichboy, Tom Padula, and Ben Warner. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. Please support us by telling people about us. Leave a review wherever you get your podcast, and follow us on all the usual social media sites. The Redacted Reports is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear, give Quest and Chaos YouTube and Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons and Call of Cthulhu on a weekly basis. Join us next week. Because outside the bounds of reality lurk entities with names unpronounceable by the human tongue, creatures of hunger and rage that would like nothing more than to devour our insignificant universe.